Welcome to PlanetMullins.com. And welcome everybody to another episode of the Planet Mullins Podcast. We're in season two and we're just blasting right on through. Today I have a multiple award-winning and uh, ginormously best-selling artist who's sold over a million albums and singles in her career. Say hello to Crystal Lewis, everybody. Hey, Crystal. Hi. How's it going? It's going well today, Rob. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I was uh, so happy to get a call to sub for your piano player a couple of weeks ago and to meet you at Spagatini because I've been hearing your name um, and, you know, been a fan of yours for a really long time. And then all of a sudden, somebody's going to pay me to come hang out with you. <laughs> I like how that works. <laughs> yeah, I felt I felt like a cute girl in her 20s. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it was interesting when we were talking before the gig because, um, you know, we did the rehearsal. You have a great band and uh, Spagatini is a world famous venue now. But it was interesting when we were talking that you said you were just now finishing up a brand new album. So tell everybody about that, if you would. Yes. So um, I did a Kickstarter uh, in 2021 for, okay. to fund um, a duets project. It's something that I I've done a lot of duets in my career, actually, but I've never done a recording of only duets. So for some reason, last year, I just kind of felt like it was time to do that and um, started the writing process for that, and then realized I didn't have any way to pay for it. So um, <laughs> I did a, a, a crowdfunding campaign, which actually was my third my third time to do a Kickstarter. Wow. Um, pay for a record. So it's, it's, I've done well with them. People have been supportive and it's been great. So we funded and now we are about, um, I'd say we're probably halfway through the, like the, you know, we've got all the tracks done. We have a handful of vocals done. Um, so it's, it's slow going, you know, whenever you're merging people's schedules, it's not. Oh, right. Easy. Well, yeah. And then did you, um, are you kind of focusing duets as uh, two singers or are you singing with an instrument or how's it working? It's a little bit of all of the above. Um, I have, there's only one song on the record that is, uh, it's me and an instrument. And that is with Arturo Sandoval and his remarkable trumpet. And I am over the moon excited about that happening. Wow, Arturo Sandoval, that's big. I know. I'm so, I've been such a fan for so many years and um, was, he started working with Tony Guerrero, who's producing the record. And that was kind of my, I jumped on that in like, ooh, <laughs> can, you, can, can you sing with me? Um, and then there's, there are a couple of other songs that have, um, two vocalists, like I'm doing a song with both my kids. I have a son and a daughter and they're in their twenties. And, um, so they're going to sing with me on a song. Wow. That's, that's incredible. Do you have any, uh, possible release date on this uh, project or a title? I am look, it's called together. We can. Okay. Together. Um, that's yeah. a, the title track. And um, the release date is February of 22. So 222. 222. That sounds good. Do it. Get it. Oh, it's, uh, <laughs> there's, there's a method to your madness. There is. <laughs> so, so it was really, um, 
you know, I, and I told people when I shot that picture of us in the dressing room and put it on Instagram, what an honor it was for me to finally meet you and work with you because way back in the 90s, you were on uh, Frontline Records and I was the keyboard player and co-producer for John Gibson, who was also on Frontline. And man, everybody was talking about you and John was so hot. Uh, about how incredible you were. And it was just Crystal Lewis, Crystal Lewis, Crystal Lewis. Then it was, then it was the Dove Awards. And it was, you know, now I looked it up on the internet and you've sold about 1.1 million albums and singles already. And that's just absolutely incredible. Congratulations on that accomplishment. You know, so, um, and it says in your bio that you started out in church and then you ended up at age 15 getting on Nickelodeon Network. Then that must have been really wacky. Well, actually, so yes, I started in church. My dad was a pastor. Um, and it, well, I, at 15, I was actually in a musical called High Tops, which was, um, it was a Maranatha music um, situation. It was a Salty the Singing Songbook offshoot um same same people that had written that had written this musical for like older kids and um so it wasn't until I was 21 that I did the Nickelodeon show wow so I did I was signed to Frontline Uh um in the 80s and then early 90s and Benny Hester was um became signed to Frontline as well And so he and I became friends and the woman who he was dating at the time was a television producer, director, creator person. And she had this show that she'd been working on for years because of my connection with Benny. um, And we met somehow and she was at probably a showcase or two or something. And she was like, hey, I'm doing this thing. Do you want to be a part of it? So I wound up doing the pilot and shopping the pilot to various um, networks with her. It was so incredible. Wow. And then we went to Florida um, because of union things. They didn't want to film in LA mm. and Universal Studios. Um, you know, there was oh, yeah, right. Nickelodeon Studios was in um, Orlando. Oh. And so I filmed the first, the whole first season. And um, eventually the show moved back to LA and my career had kind of taken off. And I was married already at the time and I got pregnant. And so I didn't end up going on um, to do any further seasons of the show, which is a Uh huge regret and disappointment to me today. But I shouldn't say regret because I don't, I don't live in that space, but um but I do wonder often what my life would have been like had I had I kind of stuck around there. Oh, I I have a lot of those kind of moments, too. I mean, but I can just picture you at, you know, 22 and pregnant and walking into Nickelodeon and saying, hey, I'm ready to do the next year. And <laughs> They're like, hmm. I'm trying to think of the last person, the last pregnant person I saw in Nickelodeon, not that I watched that network. Yeah. <laughs> It's not really their brand, right? <laughs> it's not part of their their uh, their thing. So but then, when you got going on Frontline, Frontline for people that don't know about it was an Orange County based um, Christian uh, record company, and at that time, Christian rock was just kind of getting to be this huge thing. And the artist I worked with with John Gibson um, was doing amazingly big gigs. Now you, I think, were even doing bigger stuff than John. Like what was the 
hugest gig that you did during that time? You know, at that point in time, wow. I was only on Frontline from 86, 87, because I was in a band called Wild Blue Yonder okay. uh, first. That was sort of a little rockabilly band. And I believe we signed to them around 86. And I think my solo, my first solo record came out in 87 on Frontline. So, and I did three, I want to say three solo records. So I think I was done with them in 92, 91. Okay. Yeah. In early, early 92, late 91, something like that. So I was, I had already started doing the Harvest Crusades with Greg Laurie and all that. And so those were at the Anaheim Stadium. And I mean, they were crazy, crazy. That's crazy that these, uh, the baseball stadiums hold like 40,000, 50,000. Not like nuts, just <laughs> so surreal and bizarre. And I'm from Anaheim. I was born and raised in Anaheim. And so for me to sing, I mean, I think I did the national anthem there a couple times at a couple angel games. Wow. But to do like a, sh- you know, a show. Right. <laughs> um, which let's, come on, that's what it was. Um, it, it just was so um, surreal, really, really crazy. Incredible. So did you, um, a lot of artists, you know, they have their American thing they do and then they do European tours. Did you do the European thing too? You know, sadly I did not. I, I traveled to Europe a very small handful of times. I will say that one of my biggest claims to fame, so to speak, uh, is the fact that I, I played two gigs in my career that if I never play another gig in my life, I can rest in the fact that I played these two and they were, one was Carnegie hall and it was um, shortly after it was a year after nine 11, um, which my birthday is nine 11. So um, I, one year later in 2001, um, there was a big uh, benefit for firefighters at Carnegie hall, this big gospel thing. And it was me and I think two other artists and, Choir, orchestra, like whole, like whole, mind blowing to me that I did that. And the other one was Royal Albert Hall in London, and um, it was I don't even know how I got that gig. It was so crazy, and so I didn't tour Europe per se. Mm -hmm. I just had a couple of gigs like that that were like you know they hold such a special place in my in my heart for obvious reasons well, royal royal albert hall that's over a hundred thousand people and that's where queen plays there and uh yeah, and, <laughs> and my so buddy uh, yeah my buddy jimmy roberts is the sax player for rod stewart and they play that that uh space and do that kind of stuff i mean it's a it's an incredible amount of stuff that you've accomplished while raising two kids. I mean, I'm, I look through your wiki and it says 13 studio albums, two live albums, four compilations, uh, nine music video albums, 11 music videos, 24 singles. I mean, it's just kind of making me tired just to read your credits. <laughs> well, me too. Um, and I, I actually, I actually also did eight albums in Spanish. So wow. I didn't tour Europe much, but I toured Latin America quite a bit. Oh. So um, that was that was just a weird thing that came about early on that just sort of snowballed, and I ended up 
continuing to do that over the years. And I, I have not released, well, let's see. Oh, I released my last Spanish album in 2015. So, um, not that long ago, mm-hmm. but, um, on this new duets project, I'm the song that I'm doing with Arturo, or I should say Arturo, um, is we're translating that into Spanish and I'm going to do that in both English and Spanish. And then there's one other song on the record that is with, um, in English, it's with two females and in Spanish, it's with two females and I'm going to do it. Well, I'm going to do it in both English and Spanish with, you know, two different people. So, um, it's time. I haven't done anything. I haven't done anything in this new genre, like outside of CCM or gospel Uh in Spanish. So this will be sort of my initial foray into wow. the world with this genre. So well, I noticed when we were doing the Spagatini gig, it was basically a, a jazz quartet behind you and you singing standards. And what I found to be so incredible about it was I knew about your past and I didn't really know that you were, you know, kind of transitioning into singing jazz, great American songbook stuff and your jazz originals. And then I made the discovery of hearing your voice. It sounded so familiar and it was so unique and so cool. And then I thought, well, wait a minute, this vocal tone has been copied by everybody. (laughs) It's been copied by, um, Miley Cyrus and Ariana Grande and um, Katy Perry and all of these people. And, you know, when we chatted briefly uh, before that gig, I I was curious as to how you felt about kind of having your sound just stolen by all these younger people. Because I think they just and, you know, there's no copyright laws for things like that. Right. You know, you can't. I mean, if they if they take your lyrics, then uh, that's an that's easily proven. But you're, you know, you can't really go into a a courtroom and you know say, well, this person sounds like me, and what half of all of Katy Perry's stuff, which is (laughs) in a fair world. That's if I was, you know, Judge Mullins. In the Laguna Hills uh, courthouse, I would immediately give you like $150 million. Thank you. Thank you. Because <laughs> your sound is, uh, I call it source. You know, your your sound is source. It's nobody before you sounded like you. And all these people sound like you now. And just, I just want to acknowledge that, you know, my musical ears, I make my living with my ears. Um and I, I just noticed that right away about you. I mean, do you have any stories about interacting with any of these thieves that are? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I would not deign to call them thieves, I guess. Oh, they're um, thieves. They stole it. It's, they stole it. You know, you, you have to, I guess, uh, get comfortable with the, the whole old adage of, um, what is it that um, copying is not copying? What's the word I'm looking for? Oh um, yeah, the, I know that like thing that you're the, high, the highest form of flattery. You know, Imit- is, imitation is imitation. The, yes. Yeah, um, yeah, but they're I, doing it so well that it's like <laughs> wrong. I mean, you know, I'm all I'm drinking coffee and I'm feeling my manliness. I'm like, I'm gonna go to Orange County and sue somebody today. <laughs> 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 what the heck? <laughs> hey. But really, I mean, 
I've heard a story. I heard a story uh, when I was on Roundhouse on the Nickelodeon show. Um, But like I said, we were filming in Orlando at Universal. And um, obviously, Walt Disney World was across town. Right. And um, at that time in 19, we were filming in 92. All right. So we were there in, I believe, like December, January, filming our pilot. And then we were there all summer and into the fall. We all, as a cast, moved from L.A. to Orlando and lived there all together. Amazing. I mean, seriously, the greatest, one of the greatest times of my life. Um, So uh, the Mickey Mouse Club, the new Mickey Mouse Club, which at that time in that year was Justin Timberlake. Um, Brittany Aguilera, Britney Spears, you know, all these, all these other people supposedly, and I have this on very good authority. So I'm not making this up. This was told to me that they would come and secretly watch our rehearsals mm-hmm. because we were all quite a bit older than them. Uh, I was 21. Um, I think there was one girl on our cast that was 17, but everybody else was twenties and up. So those kids were all young teenagers Wow. And, um, so they would come and and basically spy on us and watch our rehearsals because we were the big kids. We were the big kids. Oh, so that's how they and our show, it. our show was written by the head writer for In Living. It was created and written by the head writer for In Living Color. Wow. So we were edgy. We we did a lot of like pretty uh on the edge dancing and lots of singing and uh oh man it was a really unique um super cool show and so later of course in life to find out that they were watching us and those those girls who wanted to make their living as a singer i was i was the person that they were watching and and anyway, uh, so they and didn't know uh, that at the time but so it wasn't really like a mentoring situation because you know in my world um i've always been a music teacher and so people would come to me and say well i just you know heard this song or that song and the other song and i want to learn to play like piano player xyz and jazz or smooth jazz and i'd say oh i remember when that person stole all of my identities and then <laughs> I watered it all down and put it on the wave and then you know it was just like Every song sounded like a Rob Mullen song, but none of them were written by me. <laughs> like, ah, the music business is kind of crazy, but I guess Britney Spears was maybe one of the first people to kind of steal your stuff. And you know how sneaky young kids are. Like, they're not going to give up the credit. They're going to just say, go to your rehearsal, watch you, sneak off on their own, try and sing all your stuff. And then they're going to present it to the network like, hey, look at this brand new thing that I, me, 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 I just came up with. I mean, to be fair, I definitely don't think Britney Spears sounds anything like me. But um, Christina Aguilera, I could see maybe a little bit more of that. But I mean, I don't I don't fault them for whatever, for looking for whatever it is. Um, I will say that there are people like Katy Perry has been wonderful. Kelly Clarkson, um, let's see who else, T-Boz from TLC. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been a lot of people, Tori Kelly, um, who have 
made it very clear that I was an influence to them. And they have mentioned me in countless interviews and all kinds of stuff like that. And I think it's, it is very flattering and I'm very honored that they, they all seem to find their own way and just kind of acknowledge, you know, um, where their influences. I'm very grateful. They do all that after they've made like, you know, $500 million. And you're like raising your family, you know? Yeah. So. Well, hey, I had a great career up until 2008. Um, I had, uh, we we started our own label in 92 and huh. um, had a really, really wonderful go of things for a long time. So I chose the path that I chose um, at that time. And I don't, like I said before, I don't look back with regret or um you know, any kind of negativity on the, on the path that I was so fortunate to be able to walk, cool. um, just making different choices now, you know, as well, I move forward. So. You know, the, um, the thing that was so impressive and I, um, who was I talking to? I was speaking with one of my LA associates, who's also a vocal producer after I did the Spagatini gig with you, because um, he had never heard you sing live. He knew your reputation and knew all the albums and, you know, the, some of the history and this and that. But we were talking as I was driving home and he said, well, how did it go? And I said, I've never been in a situation on a gig where a singer sang for like two or three hours and didn't sing one out of tune note the whole gig. Wow, thank you. There wasn't one out of tune note the whole gig. I mean, (laughs) and I'm really about the pitch. I mean, you probably noticed that I was trying these different textures behind your voice, like this really kind of swimmy roads when you went into certain things. And, you know, Tony kept saying, play the acoustic piano sound. And... (laughs) I don't like that acoustic piano sound because it's not a piano. And I would really like to at some point just, you know, sit down with you in a studio and play a real piano and have you sing. It would be truly great. I hope we can do that. I love that. We should put that on our, on our bucket list. So anyway, I just, um, I'm a huge, huger fan than I ever was before after getting a chance to actually work with you because um you know hearing that kind of quality and studio producers know that a singer like you is going to come in and you're just going to crush it in five minutes <laughs> and you know a lot of the um younger i don't think singers- i'm that great of a studio singer to be honest i take a long time to get to get to where i want it to be well, yeah. And I don't mean that just from a perfectionist standpoint. I don't mean just like, oh, that's, you know, I got to find what I want. I mean, ask Tony. Wait, maybe don't ask Tony. <laughs> don't um, Tony. We have some hilarious moments in the studio where I, we just look at each other like, seriously, how can I not find that note? Like, I do this for a living. This is so weird. <laughs> There's just these funny moments where I think I wonderfully humbling on occasion (laughs) well that that just means that when you and i do it we have to do a live record because i'm all about (laughs) the live thing and i've done a lot of live recording and many people are really too scared to do that in the era of logic and pro tools and fixing everything and you know um I love doing the live thing. It was an honor to play with you. And you're actually going to be back at Spagatini, 
uh, regularly going on into the end of the year, right? Tell us, tell everybody yes, about that before I have, we wrap up. I have, I was so, so grateful this year to have what I guess you would call a residency there at Spagatini. Uh-huh. I've been there the last Sunday night of each month. Okay. And so there are only three left and one is this weekend, or one is September 22nd. No. Okay. Oh my gosh. Hold on. 26th, September 26th. <laughs> Sunday night, September 26th. Um, and then I will not be there in October. It's the one month of the year I'm going to be out of town. Yeah. Um, I'll be there November 28th, I think. Right. Weekend right. after Thanksgiving. Thanks. And then the Sunday before Christmas. Wow. So, That's yeah. awesome. Well, folks, do you definitely want to, uh, especially if you're, you know, anywhere in Southern California, go hear this incredible singer, my guest, uh, Crystal Lewis. It's a fabulous venue to uh, enjoy some time. It's a world famous jazz club. You've got a great band. And um, I hope I, you know, I hope your keyboard player like gets sick and I can come do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for sure, we just need to make the, the live record thing happen and then we'll just do our own night spaghetti that would be great now um, folks you can reach crystal via her website it's crystallewis.com you can find her on facebook and instagram and uh, you will not regret taking time out to check out her music she's a class act and uh, crystal thank you for coming on the show you are so welcome thank you so much for having me all right and that's going to do it for another episode of the planet mullins podcast And uh, we'll be putting this out on um, YouTube as well as uh, all the other standard places, Spotify, Amazon, uh, Audible, and TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and all that. Okay, we're signing off for now. Thanks again, Crystal. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.